Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Sparopoulos. And you can find some of my other work um, at the Dream Shake on SB Nation. I'm a writer that covers the Houston Rockets for, for the Dream Shake on, on SB Nation, as well as NBA Lead. Um, if you're not checking out NBA Lead, we're a growing digital media platform uh, that's really focusing on giving you uh, content when you need it and uh, the kind of content you want that's fun, intriguing, um, engaging, and stuff like that. So really check out NBA Lead. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Uh, this show, the 94 Feet Report, um, is used to be a basketball podcast. I converted it um, to a radio show, a basketball radio show on All in Sports Talk Radio Network. And if you're not um, following along on, on All in Sports Talk and what we're doing um, on this radio network, you really have to be. We're a growing radio network. Um, we're expanding. We're covering all kinds of all kinds of sports, all different kinds of hosts for their show so really check out all in sports talk radio network of course check out the uh 94 feet report we're going uh we go live on mondays uh 10 p.m which is subject to change um in the next coming weeks and we're also um i also have a blog talk radio site um that hosts all of our episodes i record them as i'm doing them live and i post them there so you can do blog talk radio uh backslash the 94 feet report and you can find us on itunes and stitcher and and wherever you listen to your podcast you can just search the 94 feet report and you'll get all of our episodes there you can subscribe leave a review if you really appreciate it another thing i like to mention is that this show the 94 feet report is brought to you by fan essentials Fan Essentials is a really great subscription service. Um, what you would do is you would go to their website, fanessentials.net, um, and you would sign up for a subscription package. You would first choose the league that you want, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. I think MLS is coming soon. Um, then you choose your favorite team. Um, they have all the teams in those leagues. And then you would choose a subscription package size, so a small, medium, or large, and that kind of dictates the size of, of a box that you would get shipped to your door. I already gave it away, but then each month you will get a box of your favorite team's gear shipped right to your door. Um, it has unique, cool products that you really can't find anywhere else. Um, I tried it out for the Houston Rockets. It was great. I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, so you really got to check out Fan Essentials if you want unique, cool um, gear from for your favorite team each month shipped right to your door. And actually, if you use the promo code 94FEET, that's the numbers, those are the numbers 9 and 4, and then FEET in all caps. Uh, you'll get 30% off your first purchase of Fan Essentials, and you'll help support the podcast a little bit um, as well. So you really should be checking out Fan Essentials if you're, you know, if you're a really big sports fan, you want some more gear of your favorite team, or you want some different, unique gear. You know, stickers, buttons, hats, shirts. I don't know, figurines. I mean, they really, they really include a lot of diverse, unique gear for your favorite team. Uh, well, in today's episode, we were actually supposed to have a guest on the show. We were going to have um, Kelly Scaletta, uh, who's a writer for Today's Fast Break, um, is an editor for Fan Rag Sports, which pretty much owns Today's Fast Break, um, is also a writer at Bleacher Report, which is where you most likely would see his work, Today's Fast Break, and, and Bleacher Report, and at least his NBA work. He does cover the NFL, and he also does cover politics. Um, we were supposed to have Kelly on the show, um, mainly to talk about his ranking, his player ranks that he's been working on. Um, he's been coming out with kind of a top 100 player ranking article each day, or a couple each day, um, and he has just concluded them. And we were going to talk about the top 15 and analyze, you know, go through some of them and why he has one player higher than the other or one player lower than the other and go in, into some reasoning. And then I was going to talk with him about his article that um, – 
was about James Harden that he came out with last week. Um, it's titled, It's Time to Stop Denigrating James Harden. It's on today's Fast Break. You should really uh, read it. I know I really enjoy reading it. As you all know, if you listened to our episode last week on October 17th, um, you will remember that I, I saved a special segment at the end of the show just to defend James Harden after all the hate he has taken from social media and general NBA fans. Um, and Kelly seemed to somehow pathologically or psychologically agree with me. Um, and he wrote this article, and I really enjoy reading it. So I was going to talk to him about it uh, you know, with him on the show. Um, but unfortunately, Kelly um, and his wife are battling the flu, and they cannot be on the show today. Um, but we will definitely, I will definitely be uh, be looking into having Kelly in the next coming weeks to talk about these issues before they kind of fade into history. Um, however, be, just because Kelly's on the show today does not mean we will not be talking about Kelly's player rankings, along with the player rankings that I had a real issue with coming from the Washington Post last week. Uh, we will still be talking about uh, Kelly's article about why Harden is underrated and why it's time to stop, you know, hating on James Harden. We'll dive into that article a little bit. Um, I will give my conference predictions, my my playoff teams from each conference in order. Um, that'll be a quick segment because I have, uh, if you missed any of our previous episodes, I have previewed each of the uh, six divisions in the NBA um, team by team, giving um, a projected record, some fantasy players uh, to look out for, some play- fantasy players to avoid, and some just overall notes on the teams. So I, I would just bundle that up into um, kind of a, a one through eight seeding um, in each conference, giving you which teams I think will make the playoffs and in what seed, and therefore what playoff matchups I think will happen. As we all know, the season is starting tomorrow. Today is Monday, October 24th. The season does start Tuesday, October 25th with three games, and that is why uh, the fourth segment of our show today will be looking some of the big Big and intriguing games of the first week. So it's not necessarily big games, you know, national TV games, though there are some obviously included in my list, but just other games that I find interesting and games that I'm going to be watching and and really, you know, kind of looking at just from, you know, maybe it's a specific matchup um, or maybe just an overall team feel. Like I want to see how this new free agent looks um, on their new team, stuff like that. So in our fourth segment, we'll be looking at some big and intriguing games of the first week of the NBA season. And then um, we will be looking at some daily fantasy tips. You know, I know that daily fantasy has become huge. Um, It's become bigly popular, as Donald Trump would say. Um, And so, you know, with the season starting tomorrow, a lot of people are going to be just, you know, getting their lineups in on on fan, um, what am I saying, FanDuel. Uh, and uh, I was about to say Fan Essentials. Uh, FanDuel and DraftKings are the two main providers of daily fantasy. I particularly use DraftKings. Um, so in future episodes, whenever I re- uh, refer to a player's salary, I'll be talking about DraftKings because that is the service and company that I use. But we will be looking at some daily fantasy tips. Um, ESPN came out with a great article about how to play, how to do well in daily fantasy. I'm going to add some more tips and explain some tips from that article in case you didn't see it. Um, because, I mean, a lot of people enjoy daily fantasy. I, of course, really enjoy season-long fantasy leagues. I think I'm in six fantasy leagues this season. But I do also do daily fantasy because I find it very intriguing to set a lineup each day um, with a salary budget. So that'll be our fifth segment, talking about daily fantasy tips. And then um, just a small um, segment at the end, I have to talk about the structure of the show going forward. We will have some changes to the 94 Feet Report here on All In Sports Talk Radio Network. So I want to just let you guys know what that's, what those changes will be um, and stuff like that. So 
without further ado, I guess we should get started in talking about these player rankings that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to start with Kelly's, just because I have him in front of me, uh, because I was prepared to talk to him about it, and hopefully we'll have him on the show in the next coming weeks so we can still talk to him about it. So I have Kelly's top 15 um, rankings in front of me, and I'm, I'm just going to read them out in order from 15 to 1. So at 15 has Lamarcus Aldridge, 14 Demarcus Cousins, 13 Paul Millsap, 12 Kyle Lowry, number 11 Damian Lillard. Number 10, Paul George. Number 9, Draymond Green. Number 8, Anthony Davis. Number 7, Chris Paul. Number 6, James Harden. Number 5, Kawhi Leonard. Number 4, Russell Westbrook. Number 3, Kevin Durant. Number 2, LeBron James. And number 1, the reigning, the two-time reigning MVP, Steph Curry. Now, when I saw those rankings right off the bat, I mean, now, Compared to the Washington Post rankings, which I will get into uh, or more like rant about um, in just a couple of minutes, these rankings I found I thought were very, very reasonable. Yes, I, I would have I have some slight alterations, but I mean, if I were to build my top 10 or top 15 rankings, mine would probably look most comparable to Kelly's. Um, by the way, you can find these rankings. Each player has an article um, on today's Fast Break. Kelly's been doing a great job diving into each player and why he has them ranked in a certain position. So you really should check out the each article that accompanies the ranking. Um, but I'm just going to talk about the rankings overall because it's, as the season starts, it's, or every year, as the season starts, people love to do rankings and, and you know, evaluations and you know, you know, you got power rankings coming out left and right this week. You got player rankings coming out left and right last week. Um, so it's just like the thing to do to, you know, to say, like, I believe this player is better than the other player. And let's see what they do this season to see if I'm right or wrong. So let's dive into some of these some of these rankings of players. And I'm going to try and I mean, because I was going to initially talk to Kelly about it with him. I'm just going to talk about it myself and see if I agree or disagree and why and just you know, talk about some reasoning. The first one I want to talk about is having Paul Millsap at 13 ahead of DeMarcus Cousins at 14. Now, I am a huge, huge Paul Millsap fan. I think he is still, even with the social media community loving him, I still think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA and one of the most underrated fantasy players in the NBA. So I'm a really big Paul Millsap fan. But I, re I still, with that being said, cannot get behind him being above DeMarcus Cousins. Now, I know that the real knack on DeMarcus Cousins is his attitude or his personality. He gets numerous technical, I mean, technical fouls and ejections a year. Um, he can't seem to get along with any coach besides Mike Malone for that brief amount of time that he was in Sacramento. And, and the team has not won during his time in Sacramento. But... I think it's really hard to just put all that blame on DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm not saying Kelly is. I'm not saying anyone really is. Um, but it's hard to blame Cousins for that. I mean, the, the Sacramento Kings, they might not be the worst team in the NBA record-wise over the past five to ten years right, or during Cousins' time. But they have had one of, if not the most dysfunctional front offices during that time. And when your front office is as dysfunctional as the Sacramento Kings' front offices, it's going to be hard to win games uh coming from DeMarcus's perspective. I mean, the team has, I think DeMarcus has had six coaches and he's only been, and he's been in the league for seven years. That is actually, that is, that is absurd. Six coaches in seven years. 
Can you imagine the, the amount of turnover? Co each coach has a different system to play. Plus, they got the influence of the idiotic, incompetent front office telling them how they how they should play. And you all and you you know you combine that with just incompetent free agent signings and draft decisions. It's a recipe for disaster every season in Sacramento. And you know what DeMarcus does? Yes, he has attitude problems. And yes, he gets ejections and he fights with players openly and fights with coaches in the front office openly in the public. He still puts up his numbers. I'm pretty sure last year he did 26 and 10 with almost three assists and a block and a half. On, I think was the second or third highest usage percentage in the NBA. I mean, the guy's a workhorse. I, I really, really wish that they would trade DeMarcus Cousins to a contending team because I want to see one. I want to see how DeMarcus behaves on a on a contending team with a real, with a strong organizational system and values. And two, I just want to see him win some games because I feel bad for him being stuck in Sacramento with that incompetent front office. Those fans are loyal. They're passionate. They want a winner in Sacramento, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. And DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent in. Uh, not this season, but the season after. And if the Kings do not at least try and trade for, trade him next season, they're going to be out of luck because you know he's going to leave Sacramento because a player of that caliber has to win some games eventually. He's got to make the playoffs at least once in his career. So you know he's going to leave for a contender. We have no idea who that will be in, in two summers from now, but you know he's going to leave. So the Kings really should be looking to trade him. With that being said, I, th I think that if you're – Trying to do player rankings, um, like if I was going to do player rankings, and I really should have for this podcast, but now that I think about it, I should have, but I didn't because I was uh, I thought we would be talking to Kelly about his rankings, so I wanted to put the focus on him, but he's not here uh, with the flu. So um, if I was going to do player rankings, I'm, I'm yes, I'm going to take into consideration kind of the intangibles like leadership and, and chemistry, uh, but I'm, if I'm doing just objective player rankings i'm going to be really mainly evaluating the talent of each player if you give me a decision between having paul Millsap on my team this year or demarcus cousins on my team this year i'm going to take demarcus cousins he's in his prime i think he's 26 and he's just i think he's the best center in the nba right now although the gms don't think don't seem to think so um i'm, I'm referring to the the nba general manager survey that they revealed on, on nba.com that were that showed that the GMs actually voted DeAndre Jordan as the best center in the league, but I don't, I disagree with that. I think DeMarcus Cousins is the best center in the league. Um, and so if you're going to give me the chance choice between Paul Millsap and DeMarcus Cousins, I'm going to have to take Cousins, which is why I think that Cousins should be higher than Millsap. Another one um, I thought was interesting, and I actually agree with, um, is James Harden over CP3. So Kelly has James Harden at six. And CP3 at seven, um, that that's the probably the, the closest ranking of Harden besides Sports Illustrated having him at seven that I've seen. The most realistic, I think, and the kind of the, the best ranking of Harden that I've seen is is Kelly's at six. Um, now, in my own rankings, I would personally have Harden at five. Um, my rankings would go as LeBron at one, Curry at two, KD at three. Kawhi at four, Harden at five, Westbrook at six, and then I I would I'm okay with Kelly's rankings up until the switch of Millsap and Cousins from thirteen to fourteen. So Harden over CP three is an interesting one because I think that um, 
obviously we know how much of a hit Harden's reputation and image um, has taken over the past year, starting with the just disastrous um, Rockets. Actually, from starting from his disastrous summer last season, um, he had the ankle injury, which wasn't, which isn't real, really common knowledge. Um, I was actually talking to someone, and I had tried to use that as a defense for Harden not coming into camp uh, in shape because we all know Harden did not come into camp in shape last season. But um, and a lot of people actually didn't even know that he had the ankle injury. So uh, there's that. But um, besides that, you know, the, the the Kardashian involvement, the kind of building his celebrity, you know, profile, which is understandable. I mean, these these athletes only have a certain number of years where they're really, you know, at the top of their game and can make the big money and, and get the endorsements at that time. You know, once these players retire, they don't really have, the, you know, the skills or knowledge most of the time to just, you know, take up another job or that's not athletic um, uh, involved, athletically involved. So Harden had to build his, his celebrity image and get some money last season, but it did come at the expense uh, of his game. Uh, and then he had a disastrous season with the Rockets, um, actually, it was interesting that Tim McMahon of ESPN actually revealed or posted a story today saying that Daryl Morey and Leslie Alexander, the GM and owner, respectively, of the Rockets, were pushing for Dwight Howard's minutes to be reduced last season. And there are rumors that James Harden was involved with those discussions about cutting Howard's minutes down in favor of Clint Capella. And it just overall, whether it's true or not, or how accurate it is or not, it just shows that the amount of turmoil in that locker room was just incredible. I mean, there was some serious disdain. There was actual disdain in that locker room. And the fact that they actually got 41 wins and made the playoffs with that much hatred between their star players is really kind of incredible. Um, so we all know Harden's image is taking a hit. And that may, leads to people easily putting CP3 over him, right? CP3, you know, the, the epitome of leadership at the point guard position, always leading his guys putting up great numbers like 19 points, 10 assists, you know, four, three to four rebounds, great steals, great percentages, you know, just, just ultimate leadership. And, and, you know, you, you think of Chris Paul, you think of reliability, you think of leadership and you think of one of the greatest point guards of all time. But you know, there, there's that knock against CP three that he just can't win in the playoffs. I mean, has every, so CP three has never made the Western conference finals. In his career, which is absurd for just a player his, of his talent, um, and obviously some of those years were not his fault. He didn't have um, a good enough team around him, or just a situation. He ran into a better team early on in the playoffs. Um, but uh, in 2015, when the Clippers were up 3-1 against the Rockets in the second round, and they were up 18 in LA in Game Six. With a quarter to go in the fourth quarter, they're up 18, and they collapsed so bad that they ended up losing by 12. That kind of huge swing. I think the Rockets outscored them by I don't. I think it was like 20, 26 or 27 in the quarter. And CP3, along with Doc Rivers, who I place equal amount of blame on, CP3 froze. He looked like he didn't want the ball in his hands. He looked like he didn't want to take a shot. He was just willing to pass it on to anyone else so they could be blamed for the loss. But at that point, you know, as the floor general and the leader of this team and, and as be, after being viewed as one of the best leaders in the NBA to freeze in that key situation and then not even not even get your guys ready to play game seven. I mean, the Rockets really comfortably won game seven, but he froze in game six. 
He choked. The team choked. Doc froze and Doc choked as a coach. I think that the lack of playoff success is a real argument against CP3 ever since 2015. Now, overall, I think it's kind of a, a kind of a cop out in an argument against CP3. But Harden has proven that he can carry teams in the playoffs. He obviously has proven he can carry teams in the regular season, as he did in that 2015 season without Dwight Howard for 41 games, um, without Terrence Jones for about 50 games, without Beverly for about 20 games. Um, also, I mean, I don't know how Kelly viewed doing his rankings, but if you're going to give me the option between Harden right now and CP3, I'm taking Harden because Harden, I think, is four years younger than CP3. Um, so, I mean, I, I am completely on board with having Harden over CP3, but as we will see in the Washington Post rankings that we'll talk about in a little bit, that is clearly not the majority opinion. Another one that was interest, I found interesting was having Draymond Green at number nine. Um, Draymond Green is probably... One of the more polarizing players in the NBA, um, I think Harden. I think Harden is the most polarizing player, but James, but Draymond Green's right up there. And oftentimes he's probably he's probably the most hated player in the NBA um, for his tactics. His you know his, his swinging his swinging swinging legs, which often result in kicking people in the groin, um, or his overall celebrations after you know good play that seems to never get a technical foul for some reason. I don't know, but Draymond Green is one of the most hated players in the NBA, but he enjoys that hatred. He really does enjoy being the villain, and he's a really great player. He's a great defender. He's the perfect fit for what the Warriors want to do on offense. Um, although there were reports from uh, ESPN that he was kind of a problem last year in practice, getting into people's faces, take his ego, had a problem with the team. Regardless of that, I think he, I think that he fits in with the Warriors system, and they want him there, obviously. Having him at nine is interesting because I've, I've seen a lot of rankings where Paul George is ahead of him. Um, I've seen rankings where you know Damian Lillard was even ahead of him. Some people have, see, depending on what you think of Draymond Green, some people think he's a system player. I don't think so. I used to, I used to think that. I used to think that he was just a huge beneficiary um, of having Steph Curry and Klay Thompson there, but I realized that, you know, Draymond Green can really hold his own. He did that in the playoffs when Curry got injured this year. He really held his own and had some great performances. And I'm, I'm actually okay um, with having Green at 9. I think that if I would do my own rankings, I think I would put Paul George ahead of him. So I'd have Paul George at 9 and Green at 10. Um, just, again, if you gave me the option between Paul George and Draymond Green right now, I think I'd have to give it to Paul George. I think I mean, he's a stud. I mean, he's an MVP candidate. He almost willing – he almost really, – one-handedly almost beat the Raptors last year in the first round with that under, uh, you know, that under or not non-talented Pacers team. Um, he did force them to Game 7 after a couple of brilliant performances from Paul George, and ultimately they fell short because talent went out and the Raptors had more talent than the Pacers. But I think Paul George is a stud, great def- uh, good defender. He's a, he's a good to great defender, um, not Kawhi level, but he's a really good defender. And you can really carry teams on offense. So if you give me the choice between George and Green, I'm going to give the edge to Paul George. So those are just some of the kind of um, kind of like different, you know, those unique rankings uh, that I wanted to talk about and kind of, you know, talk my ideas out to the public. And now I want to talk about these Washington Post rankings uh, that came out on October 20th. Uh, Tim Bontemps was the main main man about you know doing the rankings and the illustrations are great you know the rankings if you look at them on washington post just cartoons of the players faces i I think it's great to look at but man are these rankings ridiculous so let me read out the first 15 
15, LaMarcus Aldridge, just like Kelly. 14, Kyle Lowry. 13, believe it or not, James Harden. 12, DeMarcus Cousins. 11, Jimmy Butler. Yes, Jimmy Butler at 11. 10, Paul George. 9, Clay Thompson. Don't get me started on that one. 8, Anthony Davis. 7, Carl Anthony Towns. 6, Chris Paul. 5, Russell Westbrook. 4, Kawhi Leonard. 3, Kevin Durant. 2, Stephen Curry. 1, LeBron James. The interesting I I have no problem with the first four players on this list. As I just said, my top 15 would start off with LeBron, Curry, Durant, and Kawhi at four. But five through 15, five through 13 is just a mess for me. Number, where do I start? Where do I start? Do I start with Carl Anthony Towns at number seven after only playing one year in the NBA? Now, do I think that Carl Anthony Towns could, could be a top well, will most likely be a top 10 player after this season, his second in the NBA? Yes, I do. But after one season in the NBA, seven, I think, is high. I mean, that's just one I have an issue with. I think that you can put Carl Anthony Towns in the top 15, but seven ahead of guys like James Harden and Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins after only one year in the NBA, I'm not seeing it. Another another one, I, well, there's, I just mentioned one, Clay Thompson at nine? Ahead of Paul George, no. Ahead of DeMarcus Cousins, no thanks. Ahead of James Harden, oh my god. Whenever haters of James Harden want to really frustrate James Harden fans and defenders like myself, and mainly Rockets fans overall, they will basically just say, give me Clay over Harden. And that will really, if you want to ever piss off a Rocket fan or a James Harden fan, just say that, give me Clay Thompson over James Harden, and they will probably lose it. I know I lose it every time I hear that argument or that claim. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk more about Harden himself um, in the next segment when I talk about why he's underrated and talk a little bit more about Kelly's article. But having Clay Thompson and Jimmy Butler ahead of Harden, I mean, you gotta give me a break here. If you switched Clay Thompson onto Houston in 2015, do they win 56 wins and get the second seed? Do they make the Western Conference Finals? If you take Klay Thompson off of the Warriors and put him on, oof, I don't even know, um, the Magic, put him on a team on his own. Does he play as well, not playing next to Steph Curry and Draymond Green? I highly doubt it, and most people probably highly doubt it too. But because he's next to Steph Curry, because he's one of the best shooters of all time, and because he's viewed as a really good defender, people easily put Klay Thompson over James Harden. And that's an issue that I think will be resolved this season when James Harden goes off. And Clay, I'm not saying Clay's going to have a bad year this year, but the attention will be a little bit off of him now that they've added Kevin freaking Durant, an MVP, to their team. While Harden's team has gotten rid of Dwight Howard, there are officially no more star players left in Houston besides James Harden. So it's James Harden's team, and we'll see what he does with that team that's filled with essentially role players and above-average players, but no stars. I think that Jimmy Butler above James Harden is absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't have Jimmy Butler in my top 15. Uh, Tim, or the Washington Post, has Draymond Green at 16. I think he should be in the top 15. I, I would replace him with, with either Clay Thompson or Jimmy Butler. And I, I'd also replace Paul Millsap with Clay Thompson or Jimmy Butler. Um, I think that DeMarcus Cousins being over James Harden is also ridiculous because Cousins has never led a team 
anywhere really close to the playoffs. Um, and I was just defending Cousins a minute ago because I was comparing him to, you know, I was arguing his place in the top 15, but having him above Harden, I cannot argue or support at all. Cousins' temper tantrums are a problem, a serious issue. You want to talk about poor leadership from James Harden? What about the poor leadership from DeMarcus Cousins? I think, again, I don't want to seem too ranting right now, but having James Harden at 13, I think that he is. I think he's clearly better than Thompson, Towns, Davis, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and DeMarcus Cousins. And um, it just the thing is that you, when you're looking at these rankings, you're trying to evaluate. You know, you want to ask yourself, who would I take if I'm if I'm given the opportunity to choose between two players? Now, yes, maybe a lot of people, and probably maybe even myself, would take Carl Anthony Towns over Harden right now because Towns is only. 21, I believe, just for the age. But if you're, you're going to ask me, who do you rather have, James Harden or Jimmy Butler? I'm taking James Harden 100 times out of 100. Harden over Harden or DeMarcus Cousins? I'm taking Harden 100 times out of 100. Harden over Clay Thompson? I'm taking Harden 100 times out of 100. Harden or, or Paul George? I'm taking Harden 100 times out of 100. I'm taking Harden 100 times out of 100 against Anthony Davis as well. And CB3, I'm probably taking Harden you know, 100 times out of 100. As I said before... My, rank, my top 15 would be LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. I'd probably put Anthony Davis at, uh, well, I have actually Anthony Davis at eight where, where Washington Post has him. I like that ranking for Anthony Davis. I'd probably put Paul George at nine, Draymond Green at 10. Um... Paul George at 9, Jamon Green at 10. I want to put DeMarcus Cousins at 11, actually. Um, number 12, I would probably put... Uh, I want to say Kyle Lowry, but I also want to say Damian Lillard. So I'll put them together. So Kyle Lowry, I'll put Lillard at 12, Lowry at 13, Millsap, Millsap at 14 and LaMarcus Aldridge at 15. That's just an off the top of my head top 15. If I really sat down and did it, it would probably be a couple of changes, but I'm pretty comfortable in my top 10 at least. Um, so that you know that's enough for player rankings player rankings today. I, we probably don't have to see them ever again until next uh, early October. Um, they basically usually come out when the pre when the season's about to start. So you know player people can say, oh here's who I think is better than who, and let's see what happens during the season to see if I'm right or not. Blah blah blah. A lot of people have an issue with, with rankings. That's why it's very controversial. You're literally ranking who you think is better than the other rather than other articles where you're just analyzing them. So that's why rankings are so controversial. But I had no problem, really, I had no problems with Kelly's rankings, but I had a serious problem with the Washington Post rankings. Um, and when and if we can get Kelly on the show, I'd love to hear his thoughts about the Washington Post rankings as well. Um, so now in our next segment, in just a bit, we're going to talk about James Harden, why he's underrated, and talk a little bit more about Kelly's article Call titled "It's Time to Stop Denigrating James Harden," which is now on today's fast break. So before I get started talking about this quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on it because if you missed our show last week on the October seventeenth episode of the Ninety Four Feet Report, we did talk about James Harden a little bit, at the end, and why he's underrated. Um, I want to preface this by saying I also 
Two, uh, I also did write an article about James Harden. It's titled, Why James Harden is the Most Underappreciated Player in the NBA. You can find it on the Dream Shake. You can find it on NBA Lead. It's not as in-depth with the advanced statistics as Kelly's article, but the overall you know, argument of the article are similar. Uh, so Kelly's article, as I mentioned, is titled, It's Time to Stop Denigrating James Harden. You can find it on todaysfastbreak.com. And in it... Kelly kind of divides his argument into uh, several sections. One is titled The Numbers, one is titled Leadership, one is titled Defense, and then he concludes overall. His article starts off by acknowledging that there are fair things to criticize about James Harden. Then he includes this poll that he posted on Twitter. Um, He posted this poll on Twitter on October 12th. Um, It had 2,264 votes. And the final, and the question was, who would you rather build a team around, James Harden or Kyrie Irving? Now, the final results were James Harden 55%, Kyrie 45%. Now, when I initially saw the poll that day, October 12th, the for the initial first couple of hours that Kyrie of the poll was out, Kyrie was winning around 52 to 48%, and then finally since kicked back in to some people in, in the United States and realized that James Harden is better than Kyrie Irving and can ha- carry a team better than Kyrie Irving can. And so Harden won 55 to 45, which I still think is, is ridiculous. I th- Harden should win that poll 70-30. Kyrie Irving has never shown the ability to carry a team. And yes, he did not have much talent with him before LeBron. But if, if LeBron didn't go back to Cleveland, do you really think that the Cavs turn into contenders? Do you think they even make an Easter Conference Finals? Do they even win a playoff series, really? That's such a, ser- that's such a far-fetched hypothetical that I really don't want to dive into. But James Harden is more of a... Uh, a kind of team carrier than Kyrie Irving is. And so he prefaces that, um, his article by including that poll. And even Kelly says, you know, that's not a knock on Irving, but Harden's game is on another level. The only problem with that is that it just doesn't look as pretty and doesn't have the benefit of being teamed up with LeBron James. <laughs> that is the summary of James Harden versus Kyrie Irving. So, you know, Kelly starts off with some really, really great stats. Um, he he all first acknowledges that Harden's season last year in the, in the 2015-2016 season uh, was the 36th in history where a player averaged 25 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. It's been done 36 times by 11 players. So LeBron James has 12, Oscar Robinson has 9, Larry Bird has 4, Jordan has 3, John Havlicek has 2, and then Rick Barry, Rick Barry Clyde Drexel, uh, Richie Guerin, uh, James Harden, Jerry West, and Russell Westbrook all have one season of such stats. And interestingly enough, all those players he also put those all those guy all those players into a table um, and broke down how those seasons uh, you know break down by all NBA teams. And the only player to ever miss an all NBA team putting up those stats out of the thirty six times it's been done was James Harden last year. And some of those players actually made the all all NBA teams without their playoff without their teams making the playoffs. And we all know the Rockets did make the playoffs, although it was a, quite a forgetful run in the playoffs. So yeah, Harden seems to be a little bit Harden seems to be a lot uh, slighted by the media by not making an all NBA team last year, regardless of these you know godly stats that he put up. Um. Now, the thing is that a lot of people, when they say, oh, Harden puts up a lot of numbers because he just chucks and he takes all the shots and he has such a high usage percentage and he's the only guy in Houston. Well, Harden doesn't necessarily chuck. He has a 59.8 true shooting percentage, 
And that places him ninth among the 36 seasons of 25 points a game, 6 assists, and 6 rebounds per game uh, seasons. And only three uh, players who have uh, bested Harden's actual numbers of 29 points a game, 7.5 assists per game, and 6.1 rebounds per game were Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Oscar Robinson. And if you factor in true shooting percentage to that, only Michael Jordan and LeBron James are there, and only one one time each. Statistically, Harden was the biggest slight of all time. And a lot of people say, oh, he's a bad leader. But do we really know? Can we really evaluate leadership from afar, from being you know media members or journalism journalists? No, you really can't. You can look at plus minus. Um, and if he's really, the, if he's the really, if he's a bad leader and really the one holding the team back, shouldn't the team play better with him, without him on the court? Well, the numbers certainly do not reflect that at all. Over the last two seasons, the Rockets have outscored their opponents by 460 points with Harden on the court, and comparatively, they've actually been outscored by 162 points when he's on the bench. That's a 622-point swing. I think that kind of, you know, hints at the fact that the Rockets are a lot, a lot. A lot better with James Harden on the court. There's absolutely no ground to claim that he doesn't make the Rockets a better team. And you don't really know about his leadership because you're not in the locker room on a day-to-day basis. And, of course, the defense. You know, of course, Rocket fans and James Harden supporters are not going to say he's a good defender, but his reputation is certainly misleading. He is, I mean, some people really think that James Harden is the worst defender in the league, and that's just flat-out wrong. Of course, there are highlight reels of him playing bad defense on YouTube. You can YouTube, you can Google search that on YouTube, and you'll find like three to four videos of James Harden's bad defense. But you have to keep this in mind. Now, I really love that Kelly included this in the article, and I'm going to quote this from Kelly's article. He says, "Bear in mind that he, referring to James Harden, was on the court for 12,321 defensive possessions over the last two years. That's over 700 more than anyone in the league. Uh, his teammate Trevor Ariza is second. The point is, and Kelly states that, the point being, if you have a video montage of even 100 plays last year of James Harden playing poor defense, that's still less than 1% of Harden's defensive plays. It's ridiculous to evaluate him solely on a YouTube video um, that shows, you know, plays where he was got, he got particularly got beat or um, was a little bit lazy or he got, he missed a play or misread it. And you can't just point to those one a YouTube video of 100 plays, less than 1% of his defensive plays, and say he's a lazy defender and a bad defender. And in fact, Kelly includes a nice table comparing Harden to Westbrook or Kyrie Irving and Klay Thompson using some more advanced defensive numbers. And um, it show, and he also shows and explains that Harden is the most, by far the most active defender of the three. Uh, Kelly includes that, in fact, Harden was first among guards and fifth in the league overall in shots contested. He defended 20.3% of all opponent's shots and accounted for 24% of the Rockets' steals while he was on the court. Now, there are a lot of variables involved with that, but using more advanced defensive numbers, Harden, it's proved that Harden is not a good defender, but he's not a lazy or a horrible one, and there are times where he's impressive. And I think that if you look at the 2014-2015 season, Harden was above average on defense, combining that with another excellent offensive performance, which led to him being second in the MVP voting and actually first and the winner of the MVP from his fellow players, which kind of goes to show what the players value or think of James Harden. All right, that's enough James Harden rant for uh, one episode, I believe. 
let's quickly talk about my conference predictions or my conference playoff seedings. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because I, we do have two more segments to look at. Um, so I'm going to go to the conference predictions right now. Um, so in the East, I have Cleveland at the number one seed, Boston at the number two seed, Toronto at three, Indiana at four, Detroit at five, Atlanta at six, Charlotte at seven, and Washington at eight. Yes, I do have the Knicks and Bulls missing the playoffs. And uh, keep in mind that if you want actual record predictions or projections for each team um, and their placement within their division, you can look at all our past, uh, not last week's episode, but the past, the previous three, um, in which we we, t- we tackle two divisions per episode, going team by team, spending about five to ten minutes on each team, you know, talking about the status of the teams, the offseason summary, uh, some fantasy relevant news for the team, and then giving a, a record prediction. So if you want the actual record prediction and more in-depth analysis of each team, check those divisional preview episodes on our site or on iTunes. In the West, I have Golden State at one, obviously. I have the LA Clippers at two. I think that they'll be motivated to avoid Golden State until the conference finals and the playoffs, and therefore got to get they have to get the two seed. So I think the Clippers will get the two seed. San Antonio at three. Houston at four. Memphis at five. Portland at six. Utah at seven. And Oklahoma City at eight, squeezing into the playoffs ahead of the Mavericks. So again, if you want more in-depth analysis of each team, um, and, and specific record predictions for each team, you can go look at and listen to our uh, divisional preview episodes on our site, the 94 Blog Talk Radio's backslash 94 Feet Report, or you can search us and find us on iTunes or Stitcher, the 94 Feet Report. We have all of our episodes there. We tackle all the divisions, go more in-depth on each team, and give a record prediction. So I would check out those sites if you want more in-depth analysis of your favorite team or division. Up next, we are going to talk about some some of the big or intriguing games uh, of the first week of the NBA season. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously an NBA fan. You know that the season starts tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday, October 25th, we have three games, followed by essentially a full slate on Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, we get into the real swing of things, you know, of the Thursday national TV games, the Friday national TV games, the Saturday um, games and some Sunday afternoon games and stuff like that. So some games that I'm going to be looking at um, this week. I gotta start. I'm going to start with San Antonio at Golden State, which is tomorrow night, the second game of a of a doubleheader on TNT. I'm interested to see how San Antonio looks without Tim Duncan. This is the first uh, game, the home opener without Tim. Well, not home opener, but first opening game without Tim Duncan in over 20 years. Um, it, I I think that um, it's going to be an intriguing storyline to see how the Spurs react to not having Duncan. I think their defense will certainly take a hit, and maybe their leadership will take a hit. Who knows? But it'll be interesting to see how the Spurs look without Tim Duncan. And of course, we want we want to see the the reloaded uh, Golden State Warriors in regular season action when it matters against a team many believe will be the second in the West and the real threat to the Warriors in the West, if there is a real threat at all. Um, so I'm obviously watching that game Tuesday night, um, if, I, if people can stay up for that that late. Um, another game I'm watching on Tuesday is Utah at Portland. Uh, yes, Utah has injuries in Gordon Hayward and Derek Favors. Gordon Hayward will be out, and Derek Favors, I don't think they have ruled him out yet, but it's a possibility. Um, but I want to see the, the Jazz. I mean, a lot of people are really high on the Jazz. I have them at the seventh seed mainly because I think the Haywood injury will have them struggle for the first couple of weeks, and that could take a toll on their playoff seedings. Um, but I'm really high. I'm high on the Jazz as well. And, you know, I just said that they're going to be seventh. I think they're going to be seventh. But I really 
a couple of weeks ago, I really think they were going to be a top five team, and I've kind of tempered my expectations for them. But uh, they got George Hill. They have Boris Diaw now. They've got Joe Johnson now. They've got veteran leaders that can still produce, especially George Hill, who's essentially in his prime. They've upgraded their weaknesses with, with in, in significant ways. And they got a great coach in Quinn Snyder, and they've got a great new set of uniforms and a great new court. And they're not playing on their court tomorrow night. They're playing at Portland. But um, it's going to be aesthetically pleasing to watch the Jazz this year. Um, and they're playing at Portland, a team that, while isn't necessarily, you know, significantly different than last season, has a lot more, has a lot of higher expectations um, coming off a season where they really surprised getting 44 wins and making the second round. Um, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum really broke out as one of the best backcourts in the NBA. Uh, I think they're, I think they're the second best backcourt in the NBA, really. Um, and they added Evan Turner um, to this team, which a lot of people are questioning the fit. I think it was a bad move, and I didn't like their offseason overall, but I'm going to be interested to see how the Portland Trailblazers look now coming off that interesting and awfully criticized offseason. Uh, let's move on to Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, I'm looking at uh, a game in the, the Timberwolves at the Memphis Grizzlies. Um Everyone is really, really high on the Timberwolves this season, um, and rightly so, right? They brought in Tom Thibodeau. They uh, have another year of development from Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. They look really good in the preseason. They added Chris Dunn in the draft. They added guys like Cole Aldridge and Brandon Rush and, and Jordan Hill, some nice veterans um, in the offseason. The main thing people are pointing to is the development of Towns, Levine, and Wiggins, Um and the um, addition of Tom Thibodeau as coach and president. And they've looked really, really impressive in the preseason. A lot of people are picking them to make the playoffs. I have them um, kind of as the uh, ninth seed in the West. Um, I think they'll miss the playoffs by a couple of games just, just because some some inexperience. Um, and there might be some growing pains. You never know. Um, some people have them as high as winning 50 games. I've seen a lot of people picking them for anywhere from 46 to 48 wins. Some of them for anywhere from 42 to 45 wins. Um, a lot of people have them over 500, and a lot of people have them in the playoffs. I'm not quite there yet. Um, I'm a big believer in Tom Thibodeau. I really wanted the Rockets to hire him in the offseason, but they went in a completely different direction with Mike D'Antoni. Um, but I, I am high on the Wolves, and it's going to be great to watch them with a real coach this year, and sorry, Sam Mitchell, but just not not a coach last year. Um It'll be fun to watch the Wolves. They have a lot of talent. They'll be disciplined. They'll be really good on defense. It'll be fun to watch the Wolves. And a nice test for them is going in Memphis on opening night. Memphis is a team that looks significantly different. It won't look significantly different on opening night because Chandler Parsons has been ruled out um, for the opening game. But once Parsons is back, the team will look different. They already moved Zach Randolph to the bench. A new coach, David Fizdale, that was brought in the offseason. Uh, once Zach Randolph is kind of a sixth man, you know, go-to guy off the bench, I think they put in Jamichael Green as a starting power forward, and I think is a really, really good move. Uh, Marcus Sol and Zach Randolph are starting to shoot and hit threes. We saw that in the preseason, so that's an interesting development. They brought back Mike Conley on the most expensive contract in NBA history. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he, he lives up to those expectations. I think he's going to have a great year. Um, and there are also some serious concerns with the Grizzlies, right? A lot of their significant players, Conley, Gasol, Parsons, are coming off injuries and, and major injuries at that. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they ha if they're healthy. Um, I think I have them at 48 wins, but of course that's if they stay healthy. So a nice interesting test, you know, Towns against Marcus Sol, uh, Minnesota and young upstart team, Memphis kind of an aging team trying to hang on to that those playoff aspirations and playoff goals. An interesting game on Wednesday night. Of course, being a Rockets fan, I'm also going to be watching the Rockets at Lakers. But I think if you're not a Rockets fan or a Lakers fan, you can certainly should turn into that game because one, the Rockets look look incredible on offense and will be really fun to watch this year. Uh, I think it's going to be the James Harden revenge tour along with Mike D'Antoni, um, kind of on the side little scooter. You know how they have that big scooter and motorcycle and the small attachment motorcycle. I think it's Mike D'Antoni in that small little seat and Harden driving the big seat because um, both of them are looking to repair and. Uh, their image in the NBA. Um, so, but of course, the Lakers have a lot of young talent. New coach Luke Walton. They've got D'Angelo Russell now, Brandon Ingram. They've added some players in Lou Waldang and Timothy Mozgov. So it'll be an interesting game and a fun game. A lot of uh, two good offenses with bad defenses. I'm looking at a couple games on Thursday. Um, one of them is Boston at Chicago. I'm, uh, mainly because I'm interested to see, one, how the Chicago new quote-unquote big three uh, looks. I'm talking about Rondo, Wade, and Butler. And then I'm really interested to see how Al Horford looks um, in the, with the Celtics. He looked really good in the preseason. He looks to be a perfect fit, running the pick and roll. He can spread the floor. Um, great leader. I think he's going to be a nice addition for Boston. I have him second in the East and the, and the only real threat to the Cavs. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how Boston looks now and how Chicago looks now. Chicago went underwent some significant changes in the offseason, that's for sure. Um, another game I'm looking on Thursday is another Trailblazers game. This time it's the Clippers at the at the Blazers, a rematch of the playoff series from last year when the the Clippers were up early but then got injuries to Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, and the Blazers were able to essentially cruise to the end of that series. I'm interested to see how the Clippers look now. Um, they didn't really go and undergo any changes. All they really brought was Maurice Spates and and um, Raymond Felton into the team. Um, but they've still got a huge weakness at small forward. But this team, the, the thing about the Clippers is they got to stay healthy. If Blake Griffin stays healthy, if Chris Paul stays healthy, if their aging veterans can stay healthy, I think the Clippers, as I just mentioned, I think they're going to be second in the West, and they're going to be really motivated to make the conference finals this year in order to be the real threat to the Warriors. And then um, another, just quickly, I'm going to mention that on Friday, I'll, I'll be watching Cleveland at Toronto, a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. Toronto is going to be struggling a little bit at the power forward position without Jared Sollinger to start the year. Um, but interesting to see can they live up to expectations coming off the the best season in franchise history. I don't think they will. Um, I think they'll come close, but I think they ultimately will disappoint compared to last season's expectations. And then you want to see the Cavs. Um, Cavs at Knicks opening night is kind of intriguing, I guess. Um, obviously, you want to see how the new look Knicks look. The new look. Knicks, sorry. Um, and you want to see how the Cavs look in their opening night, you know, the championship banner, and is there a championship hangover? Who knows? So Cleveland at Toronto on Friday will be an interesting game. Saturday, quickly, I want to mention that I'll probably be looking at Atlanta at Philly. You might be saying, why the hell are you going to be watching a Philadelphia 76ers game? And I'll answer that by saying, I think I'm going to be watching a lot of Philadelphia 76ers game, especially if Joel Embiid is playing significant minutes. I think Joel Embiid, as I mentioned on last week's episode, if you missed last week's episode, I gave um, my predictions for the award winners this season. I think Embiid is going to win Rookie of the Year. Recently, I've seen a lot of people like Oliver Maroney come out and say Embiid is going to win Rookie of the Year. And what a great early season test for Embiid than going against Dwight Howard. 
Now, that's a Saturday afternoon. I think it starts at 12.30. I'm not sure what the NBA is trying to do with those early Saturday afternoon games. We've seen them in the past where the players really don't seem ready to play, but it should be an interesting game. Embiid versus, Atlanta, uh, versus Howard, sorry. And I want to see how Howard looks in Atlanta. There's some serious doubts if he can fit in anywhere in today's NBA. Though all the talk out of the preseason is that Howard looks good and he's ready to fit in. Okay, let's get to our final segment pretty quickly here. We're going to talk about daily fantasy. So these tips overall really don't matter if you're playing FanDuel or DraftKings. The only different thing between the two sites is that they they have different salaries for each for each player. Some of the salaries are the same, but sometimes the salaries def, differ a little bit. And when you're playing with a salary cap, when you're building a lineup, that does actually matter a lot. Um so here are some tips. Um, ESPN included some of these tips. I just added a little bit more. So the real thing is you want to look for guys who have a lot, who play a lot of minutes because more minutes equals more opportunities for stats. So guys like James Harden, Kyle Lowry, John Wall for guards, um, they play a lot of minutes. They're going to get a lot of stats. And that actually coincides with a high usage rate, right? So um, if you have a high usage rate, again, Harden's included in that list, but also DeMarcus Cousins and Russell Westbrook, who – Obviously, Cousins and Westbrook are going to have a lot of minutes as well. They might not play as many minutes as Harden. Um, but all three of those guys are examples of guys with high usage rates. And that means they have the ball in their hands and they're ending a lot of possessions for their team, which means it's more opportunities for stats. So for Cousins, it's going to be points. It could be rebounds, blocks, and Harden. You know, you got assists um, and you got points. Obviously, you get three-pointers and stuff like that. So higher usage rate and more minutes equals more opportunities for stats and especially when you're spending the big bucks on your stars you want to make sure you got guys who are going to be playing a lot and they have high usage rates because that's going to give them more opportunities to get some stats and therefore be worthy of those high salaries uh, injuries injuries are an important and crucial thing to follow in daily fantasy because injuries lead to under the radar replacements so for example chandler parsons as i just mentioned will be out for the opening night and foreseeably at least the week, first week or so of the regular season. Therefore, his replacement, James Ennis, becomes a nice, cheap, under-the-radar replacement. He's going to get the opportunity. He's going to be starting. The guy can shoot. He can score. And that's what the Grizzlies need. And you never know. I mean, the thing with playing those cheap guys is that you really want to find – you really want to dig into the matchups. You want to see what defense they're playing, who the actual player will be guarding him. Um, does the defense they're playing give up a lot of threes? Do they – give up a lot of, you know, baskets near the near the paint and stuff like that. That's what you got to do when you when you're looking for an under the radar replacement due to injuries, but you always got to be maintaining an eye on the injury reports for each team. That's why you got to be following the right people on Twitter. Make sure you're following the NBA like the team uh, beat reporters and stuff like that. They always give you the injury updates going into the game so you know who's playing and who's not because there's nothing worse than setting your lineup, not checking it and seeing that LeBron James is sitting out because he's resting or, you know, it used to be Tim Duncan sitting out for resting or Kawhi Leonard sitting out because he's going to be resting. So you always got to be looking at the injury reports for each team. Another thing to look at is a high pace um, or two offensive minded teams like the Rockets Lakers game on Wednesday. Um, teams that play at a high pace and they're extremely offensive oriented like those teams. This means it's going to be more possessions. Therefore, it's going to be more stats and essentially more shots um which equals more stats so you got to look for teams that have played with high paces um or teams that are really offensive oriented like the rockets 
um, because that's going to be more possessions and that's going to lead for more shots and more stats, etc. Uh, conversely, you got to look at the opposing defense. You got to especially look at the defender of that player you're trying to, you're going to put in your lineup. So, for example, you got to look. If you really want to play Kevin Durant or James Harden like on a certain night, and you look, and he's getting, and he's that team or their team is playing the Spurs, that means that Kawhi Leonard is going to be guarding them. Kawhi Leonard always guards the best player on the opposing team. He's a defensive, he's a lockdown defender, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. You got to look at. Uh, who is going to defend that player you, you're looking to add into your lineup? If it's Kawhi Leonard, it's you know it's Paul George or any of those lockdown defenders, you're going to probably want to avoid playing that star because Kawhi Leonard is usually notorious for shutting down guys. And if he doesn't shut him down, he's going to limit him to production that isn't worth that high salary for that star player. So make sure you're checking at the opposing defense and who's going to guard the player that you're adding to your lineup. You know, you when you, with daily fantasy, you know that the stars are going to get their points and their stats. It's more about finding those cheap guys who have the who have that big breakout game, and that really correlates with the injuries. You know, James Ennis. I would never draft James Ennis when Chandler Parsons is healthy and playing because James Ennis is going to get like 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes max, and that's not going to be enough to warrant him being drafted in lineups. But when Parsons is out, James Ennis might get 20, 25, even 30 minutes. That game, depending on the matchups and if he's hot or whatever. Um, so therefore, you want to find those guys who they're probably bench guys that are starting because of injuries or because players are getting rested. Oftentimes, this happens on the Spurs. They're a good source of these kind of guys. You got to find the right cheap guys who have the big breakout game. And finally, you have to look out for back-to-back, so the third game in four nights trend, because those lead to tired players, which lead to uh, struggles, um, especially on the offensive end, which you know decreases their stats. And especially if you're looking at a star who's playing on his third game in four nights, he's going to be tired, and he's going to struggle, and he's not going to award that huge salary. So finally, um, I want to close the show talking about some structure, procedural notes of the show going forward. Yeah, uh, the all, uh, 94 Feet Report, um, we are a basketball podcast on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you can always check all of our archived episodes there. But if you do listen to the show um, live on All in Sports Talk at 10 p.m., uh, we will actually be moving to 9 p.m. starting in November. So the next episode or two, we will still be at the 10 p.m. Eastern Time time slot on All in Sports Talk. But mo- starting in November, we will be moving to 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time to grow our audience as a national NBA show on all in sports talk. Again, if you don't listen to us live and you listen to the podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher or on blog talk radio, this doesn't affect you. But if you're listening to the show live on all in sports talk each Monday night, we'll be moving to 9 PM starting in November. And the show is going to include more segments because the season is starting up. So, uh, as the season begins, we will be having a worst and best of the week. And that is strictly related to, you know, NBA basketball in, in real life. Um, who had a great week, you know, oftentimes the NBA awards player of the week, etc. So we'll be doing the same, who had the worst and best uh, of the week. And then we'll be doing a fantasy spin on that, doing a fantasy worst and best of the week as well. So those will be two segments that we're adding to the show as the season kicks off. And so those are some changes that will be coming to the 94 Feet Report basketball show on All in Sports Talk Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio in the coming weeks. Well, that is the end of our episode tonight. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. You can find the show on Twitter or on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at the 94 Feet Report. On Facebook, it's the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. Uh, and we will be back next Monday talking about the first week of the NBA, talking fantasy, talking real life uh, basketball, including more segments. 
I look forward to having to hearing you guys next Monday. Again, I'm your host, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Sparrows. This is the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast on All in Sports Talk Radio Network. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the beginning of the NBA season.